Church, we are excited to announce that we will resume in-person gatherings once a month on the first Saturday of the month at 5 p.m. at Preston Trail Community Church in McKinney. So make sure to save these important dates. We'll be meeting in person on Saturday, June 5th, Saturday, July 3rd, Saturday, August 7th, and on Saturday, September 4th, we plan to resume weekly in-person gatherings. So make plans now to join us on the first Saturday of the month this summer for worship, communion, the word, and some fun family-friendly treats at the end of each worship experience. We cannot wait to see you in person. We'd like to thank each of you that celebrated Converged Church's 10th anniversary with us last month. Great news is we still have some commemorative anniversary box sets available to purchase. The single item boxes are $50 and the double item boxes are $80. We also have new Converged Church t-shirts you can purchase for the summer. You can place your order safely and securely at store.weareconverged.com. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at We Are Converge, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash weareconverge. Make sure to click the notification button so that you can receive the most up-to-date content from Converge Church. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Come on, snap your fingers. See? 
Here are four unrelated stories, all with a common bond. First, let's go back to November 20th, 1982. For the 85th time, Cal and Stanford are involved in a heated contest. After a wild game, Stanford, led by young John Elway, takes the lead with just four seconds left. The Stanford fans and band are already celebrating, and why shouldn't they? The game is over. One final play begins as Stanford kicks short to Cal. A mad scramble ensues. Laterals follow near tackles, then a blind over-the-shoulder lateral. A mad race to the end zone. Down goes the Stanford trombonist as the touchdown is scored. The unthinkable happens and Cal wins. As it turns out, it wasn't over. How about this one? Meet the Lilies, Russell and Terry. It's 2001. Their 10-year marriage has been a constant source of frustration. A vicious cycle of selfishness, fighting, and isolation has left them both exhausted, angry, and done. Never mind the vows. Never mind the two young boys. This one is beyond hope. This marriage is over. Following their divorce, Russell becomes a follower of Christ, and Terry begins to notice the transformation taking place in Russell. Hardened hearts soften. Their relationship begins to heal. Forgiveness is sought and granted. In 2007, they remarry. The one that became two is now one again. Then there's Raylene Kuferschmidt. It's January 2008. Ray suffers a cerebral hemorrhage. Declaring her brain dead, the doctors remove her breathing tubes. Knowing that it's over, the hospital releases Ray to her family so she can be taken home to die comfortably. Meanwhile, Ray's family plans her funeral. But someone forgot to tell Ray that it was over. At home, Ray suddenly wakes up. She's checked again by her doctors, who cannot believe that she's still alive, much less alert and healthy. Funeral plans have now turned into vacation plans for Ray and her family. Logically devoid of hope, legally divorced, literally dead, everyone thought it was over. It's not the first time. Flashback almost 2,000 years. A man claiming to be the long-anticipated Messiah is unfairly accused. Offered up to the lying crowds by a Roman official, the supposed Savior is flogged, mocked, tortured, and beaten. He is nailed to a tree and crucified. He dies and is buried. Hopes that he is the Messiah fade away. It is finished. Friends scatter. Disciples hide. Evil celebrates, and for three days, it is over. But on the third day, there's an empty grave. Evil has lost its victory. Death has lost its sting. Suddenly, miraculously, the only thing that is now over is hopelessness. Four stories, one message. It's not over, even when it's over.
Hey there, Converge Nation. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're watching from across the United States and around the world. And I say that literally because our V family extends to Indiana and Georgia and Arkansas, across the U.S., around the DFW Metroplex, as well as Europe, Brazil, Africa. God has given us a tremendous platform. So if you're watching from any of these cities, from any of these states, from any of these regions, from any of these nations and or continents, we'd like to welcome you to our broadcast right here at Converge Online or, if you will, Converge at Home. Uh, thank you for joining us for week three of Church in the Wild, uh, where we're discovering God's original and eternal plan for the church, a church that would be victorious and triumphant. As Jesus declared in Matthew 16, I will build my church, not the edifice, not the structures, even though that's a part of the equation, but even more importantly, I will build my church, the people. In fact, the word church, ecclesia, means called out ones. It speaks not of, not of anything structural, but of something that is deeply personal and deeply human. So this series is really about the church, the people, the ecclesia, the called out ones that God is raising up. And my prayer, Converge Nation, is that our testimony, when it's all said and done, would be as the testimony of the early church. These men and women who have turned the world upside down have come here also. My prayer, listen, is that people will know that Converge is here because of the indelible imprint we leave upon people's lives. And when I say indelible imprint, I'm talking about transformation. So that you and I and the people who come into our sphere of influence will be transformed by the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the authenticity they experience when they encounter you and me. Listen, let's pray and we'll dive into the word. In fact, before we pray, before we pray, listen, I would be remiss if I didn't take an opportunity to give honor to whom honor is due. That's part of who we are at Converge. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our culture. And so I want to take a little moment. Hey, I want to press pause right now. I'm going to call this audible and give a big shout out to our very own Dexter and Andrea Jackson. Uh, Dexter and Andrea are our e-campus, our e-church directors. They make sure that our virtual family is ministered to. And uh, beyond that, or in addition to that, not only do they do the online engagement with you and they're communicating with you, but they were also uh, responsible for doing all the research, all of the legwork, and ensuring that we had a successful digital discipleship launch. That's one of our initiatives for 2021. Vision 2021 was that we were going to launch our digital discipleship initiative. We were going to move from social media to social ministry. Listen, Dexter and Andrea delivered, and so we want to give them big props. In fact, uh, this past week was our final week. It was a six-week uh, semester. Uh, so many great stories came out of our Facebook groups uh, for Converge Kids, which was really uh, 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 sessions on intentional parenting. Waleska Shell did a phenomenal job uh, facilitating those uh, those lessons and those meetings. We also want to give big props to Coquetso Macafola for facilitating Converge young adults as well as Converge students via our digital discipleship initiative. Uh, and then also Converge men. We had a phenomenal time uh, with Dr. Tony Evans uh, learning and discovering the power of knowing God. Now, listen, I saved the best for last because check this out. <laughs> listen, the undisputed, all right, year in, year out, perennial, perennial, annual champions, listen, undefeated is Converge Her. Every single year, every single semester, every single season, listen, these chicks showed up in numbers. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I say that with great honor and great respect. They showed up in numbers consistently for the last six weeks. So Pastor Wendy and also Tammy Pleasant, 
Uh, thank you guys for mobilizing our women, uh, for mobilizing our wives, our sisters, our daughters uh, to connect in community. So you guys, listen, you guys get the trophy for your consistency, for your passion, for your intentionality, your authenticity, and listen, for your transparency. Uh, uh, I eavesdropped on a couple of sessions, and man, it was so good. I wish I could jump in there and be a part of it. But we celebrate Converge Her today and for being an integral part of our uh, community of faith, but for also leading the charge and making our digital discipleship initiative a resounding success. Uh, I hope I didn't miss anyone. If I did, listen, charge it to my head, not my heart. The love is deep as it is wide. Let's pray and we'll dive into the word together. So Father, we come to you now in Jesus name and we look to your word with great humility and reverence. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. We ask you to open our eyes and illuminate our understanding that we might not only be hearers of your word, but doers also. God, we commit this time to you, and in a special way, we pray for that one who just needs a fresh touch from heaven, that, God, you would visit us with your presence, with your power, and that you would visit those ones that just need a reminder, God, of your goodness and that you are near. God, make it real, make it evident. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, this is week three of our current sermon series, Church in the Wild. We are a church that's being forged in the crucible of crisis, amen, not in the comfort and convenience of things going our way. Remember, we said that your comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. So we're resisting what's comfortable. We're resisting what's convenient. In fact, we're embracing resistance in this season because we believe that God uses resistance and crisis to develop us, not to discourage or destroy us. Church in the wild, Jesus is building his church. He's building his people and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, uh, we, we introduced the life of Joseph and 10 tests that, that God took Joseph through on his journey to rich fulfillment. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week uh, as we examine the life. And this is just going to be a survey, an overview of the life of this notable patriarch. He is the great grandson of Abraham, the father of our faith. And the story picks up in Genesis chapter number 37. Uh, we're not going to dive into the text just yet. We will momentarily. You guys know we're sticklers for the word. But as we do that, let's establish some, some foundational truths, some foundational principles uh, that we embrace here at Converge Church. Here it is. Say it after me. Understand the plan. Ah, come on. Let's do that again. Come on with conviction this time. Understand the plan. Yeah, God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, that beloved verse, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, an expected end. Understand that God has a master plan. He is both the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who sees the end from the beginning. Number two, follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. We see this uh, with God's interaction, especially with the patriarchs of old in the Old Testament. And, and Noah was to build the, the ark according to the specifications that God gave him. Moses built the tabernacle according to the specifications that God gave him, which was an earthly representation of the tabernacle in heaven. God is a God of pattern. God is a God of order. Amen. And so when we understand the plan, the next thing we must do is follow the pattern of God. Number three, here it is. We receive the promise. We receive the promise. So as God is building his church in the wild, these are the three principles we follow. Here's why God has a plan and he has always had a plan. Nothing about what God does is reactive. Nothing about it is random. It is all deliberate, intentional, and proactive. God has a plan. He takes us through a process. 
so that we can receive the promise and he can fulfill his purpose. Touch your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Yeah, slap them upside the head if they'll let you. Come on and tell them it's not about you. It's all about the purpose of God. And in order for us to arrive at this place called the purpose of God. In fact, it's not really just a destination. There's a process involved in it. But listen, in order for us to experience the fullness of God's purpose and in order for God's purpose to be fulfilled through us, we have to recognize that he has a plan. He takes us through a process, and that's what we're going to talk about with these 10 tests. These 10 tests are the process of God or the processes of God so that we can receive the promise and he can fulfill his purpose in the earth. All right. So here we go. Process is a systematic series of actions directed to a specific end. We talked about this last week, but it bears repeating. One of the reasons we do this, and and again, for those of you who are educators, you understand the power of repetition. In fact, Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you've been at Converge for any amount of time, you know what that word means. It is the continuous tense. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So we said this last week, but it bears repeating process. A process is defined as a systematic series of actions directed to a specific end. And everything that you may be experiencing right now in your life, you may not be able to connect the dots entirely, but you can rest assured as a person of faith that you can trust God even when you can't trace God. And in the middle of everything you might be going through right now, listen, listen, it is a series of actions that are directed to a specific end. The the, the challenge with the life of faith is that it must be lived out going forward, but it can only be understood looking back. You'll only understand all of this, all of this that you and I are going through right now in this season, in this chapter of your life, will only be understood in retrospect. Yet we're called to live it out day by day, walking it out one day at a time by faith, not by sight. That's what process really is. Psalm 105 and verse 19 helps us understand that because the scripture testifies concerning Joseph in verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The New Living Translation reads, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested (laughs) Joseph's character. And that's what these tests are all about. God is testing our character. He's testing our mettle. Not again, not to dissuade us, not to discourage us, but to prepare and perfect us for what he's taking us into next so that we can steward well what he entrusts to us. And as we go through these tests, this is what happens. Uh, We are refined. We are purged. We are purified and we are separated. He removes what's worthless uh, from the things that are priceless. And so that only what is priceless about who you are and about what you call to do will remain. All righty. So here it is. Uh, So again, we're talking about church in the wild. In fact, the the roll in the sermon bumper uh, has this this uh, audacious Uh, image of a lion. And as as I was preparing today, I kept thinking about church in the wild, lions, church in the wild. The fact that Jesus, our savage Jesus, is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Man, I just kept, that kept just, it just kept rolling around in my heart and in my thoughts that our savage Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. (laughs) It ultimately brought me to The Lion King, uh, that beloved uh, uh, Disney animated classic from 1994. In fact, I remember I had just uh, 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 moved to the States, a brand new immigrant. Uh, My family had moved to the States in December of 93. And I still remember going to see uh, The Lion King. Again, I was in my 
early 20s, but man, everybody was talking about The Lion King. It's like, man, let me just go check out this movie. And man, one spiritual truth after the other, uh, I felt the Lord showed me during that movie. I'm not going to belabor the point. This message today is not about The Lion King, but, but consider this. Here's the entire premise of the movie, and I think you'll connect the dots. Uh, the Lion King is the story of Simba, which is, by the way, is Swahili for lion. So little Simba, uh, his name really means lion. But the story of the Lion King is really about little Simba. He is the central character in this story. And when we meet Simba, he's a little lion cub. Uh, much like Joseph, when we're introduced to Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, he's a 17-year-old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed young man who has dreams of greatness. In fact, God shows him two dreams, and in both dreams, his brothers, and in the second dream, his parents, as well as his brothers, bow down to him. At an early age, he had this sense he had this glimpse of the glorious future that God was preparing for him. And in a lot of ways, uh, when Rafiki raises Simba up, there's this, there's this sense that this one is special. This child is going to be different. Uh, may I submit to you that God sees you exactly the same way that in each of us and for each of us, there is a celebration God sees you as special because he has a special purpose for your life that maybe uh, the people around you may not appreciate or recognize, but God does. God sees you the way he saw Joseph. God sees you the way that the story is written around Simba. And you remember I quoted, I quoted I quoted uh, 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 William Shakespeare last week, as good as it gets. He says, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. And so when we're introduced to Simba, this young lion, there's all this promise about who this young lion will eventually become. Uh, Simba is a young lion who is to succeed his father, Mufasa. And what I love about Mufasa's character is that he is the king of the jungle, undisputed. In fact, there's no question about it. His exploits point to the fact that, man, he's put in his time and he is the man. Listen, sometimes uh, if you grew up in the shadow of a great father or an accomplished mother, sometimes... Their successes can be intimidating. <laughs> and here's little Simba who just wants to play, who just wants to have a good time. But what he doesn't realize at this tender age is that he's already being prepared for succession. And there's pressure on little Simba now to fill his daddy's shoes. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Uh, maybe you grew up in the shadow of mom's and dad's expectations. Maybe you're a, an adult and right now you're wrestling with the tension between the dreams that your parents tried to live through you vicariously and what you know in your heart you were created and called to do. And somewhere in there, there's the shadow of Mufasa. Yet on the inside of you, you know that God has called you maybe to be a little bit different than mom was than dad was. And there's this tension that you wrestle with and it has to do with other people's expectations. This message is going to help you today if that's where you find yourself in Jesus' name. It's a story of this young lion who is to succeed his father Mufasa as king of the pride lands. However, after Simba's paternal uncle, y'all remember Scar? <laughs> Scar, man, he, he ain't right. Scar was just plain foul because Scar is Mufasa's younger brother who had great ambitions of succeeding his brother Mufasa. And so he, he, he manipulates Simba into thinking that his father Mufasa's death was his fault. 
And so Simba, overweighed, uh, overtaken with the guilt that he possibly was responsible for his father's death, flees the Pride Lands. You know the story. And spends the better part of his adolescence in exile. Listen to me. I don't know what you, you've been running from. I don't know what past failures. I don't know what past uh, disappointments. I don't even know what past hurts and lies have haunted you until this point. I don't even know what you've been running from. But this morning, maybe what God wants you to realize is that you have been living in exile and it's time to come home, Simba. It's time for you to come home. You've been running and you don't even know where you're going. And you've been running from something. I'm saying this prophetically to somebody listening. To this. You've been running your whole life and it wasn't even your fault. And God wants to heal that place in your heart this morning because of all those who mishandled you, for all those who misrepresented you, for all those who manipulated you into thinking it was your fault and it wasn't. This is the story of Simba. And it is a story of redemption because while he's in exile, all he wants to do is play. Uh, uh, but the thing about the call of God, listen to me, the, the giftings and the callings of God, the gifts of God and the call of God, listen, they're irrevocable. The King James Version says it is without repentance. And whatever God has ordained for you, he ain't going to change his mind about it, baby. You can run as long as you want. You can pull a Jonah and get on a boat going the opposite direction. He's going to find you right where you are and get you back to where you're supposed to be. I don't know who this is for, but the Lord said you've been running and you've been running long enough. And today he wants to let you know that what he always planned for you is still true because his gifts and his callings are without repentance. Come home, Simba. Don't allow scars, lies to keep you in bondage anymore. In fact, the Lord wants to make your, plane, your, your pain your platform, not your prison. I'll say it again. If you'll let him today, Simba, if you'll let God do it in you today, come on, church in the wild. He will make your pain your platform when your whole life it has been your prison. So, so Simba is in exile and he's, he's gone away from the pride lands, but destiny pursues him. He can't get away from it. He can't run from it. Listen, I don't know why I keep saying this. You've been running. But purpose and destiny, come on. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's his goodness and his mercy that has preserved you. You know why? Because he still has his hand on you. And he's calling you home, Simba. He's calling you home. So, so Simba is in, the, in, in exile, and, and he's in exile, and he, he grows up in the company of two carefree outcasts. They really don't fit in anywhere. Come on, somebody. Your associations matter. In the wild, <laughs> your associations matter. Who you choose to do life with matters. Who you allow to speak into your life matters. Who you call a friend matters. Who you call a confidant matters. And in the midst, come on somebody, of being in exile, he encounters these two outcasts who don't really fit in anywhere, but they teach Simba this principle that I think we all need to embrace, that we all need to live out and hear it. We need to embody, and that is this simple principle, Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Ah, I don't know what you've been worrying about. I don't know what cares and anxieties have weighed you down. But today, the church in the wild that Jesus is forging out of this crisis, out of the misrepresentation and the manipulation that you have been a victim of, the Lord says, Hakuna Matata to you. He says, no worries for the rest of your days. Come on, somebody. Uh, I don't know who this is for again. 
Come on, I know that sounds cliche, but I sense the presence of the Lord in this place. I sense the presence of God in this moment. And God is saying, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off because I still have a future and I still have a plan for your life. So Simba receives, listen, valuable perspective while he's in exile. Valuable perspective while he's in exile. And this is what happens. He gets it from his childhood friend Nala before returning to challenge Scar to end Scar's tyranny and take his place in the circle of life as the rightful king. At some point, you have to come face to face with your past. At some point, you got to come face to face with your present and this defining moment, this strategic inflection point in your life. And sometimes, at some point, you've got to make a choice that you're going to move forward into your God-ordained destiny. The time for playing small. The time for playing small is over. In fact, there was never a time in God's economy where playing small was what God ordered. There was never a time when false humility, false humility, where you pretend, oh, I ain't nothing. Oh, poor little me. That ain't God. In fact, there's this quote from Marion Williamson that is often misattributed to Nelson Mandela. You've seen, you've heard it in Aquila and the Bee. You've probably heard it in Coach Carter. But that quote originates in a book by Marianne Williamson, who, by the way, was a Democratic presidential candidate in the last election cycle. It's a book called Return to Love by William, uh, Marianne Williamson, and this is what she writes. She says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Uh, our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And we ask ourselves, here it is, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I don't deserve this. It's good enough for everyone else, but not good enough for me. Have you ever asked yourself, who am I? to be brilliant, to be gorgeous, to be talented, to be fabulous? Have you believed the lies, the conditioning that others have spoken over you and into you? No, she continues and says, actually, who are you not to be those things? And said, you are a child of God. That's, that's why. You should embrace the greatness that is resident within you. You're a child of God. Remember last week, John 1 and 12, we talked about it, that you were born of God, not born of the will of the flesh or of human origin. You were born of God. And then 1 John chapter 4 says, everything that is born of God overcomes the world. You have royal divine DNA, Simba. You carry in your, your veins the lineage and the heritage of your father, Mufasa. You and I carry in us the DNA of the lion of the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus. Who are you to play small? That's how she ends the quote. He says you are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world, Simba. Hiding in exile and frolicking around the plains with Timon and Pumbaa and then eventually Nala. It doesn't serve the world. Your playing small serves no one. And the Lord is saying to us today that it's light out. Lights out. It's over for all of that. He wants you to gain a new perspective and to recognize, oh, here it is, just like Esther did. And just like Simba eventually does. That I was called to the kingdom for such a time as this. All right? So here it is. Here it is. God wants you 
God wants you. In fact, God needs you. I want you to hear this. He doesn't only want you, but he needs you to get your roar back. <laughs> ah, for those of you who are familiar with Lion King, you know that was one of the things that was lacking in Simba's life. He was a lion with no roar. Hey, but today, I came to announce to you, baby, that God wants you to get your roar back. Listen, among lions, roaring is used to advertise the lion's presence. <laughs> Listen, church in the wild, God sent me here to let you know that you need to get your roar back because your roar announces to the world that you're still here. It announces to the world your presence. Lions most often roar at night. And it is a sound, listen to me, it is a sound that can be heard from a distance of up to eight kilometers. <laughs> For those of you not familiar with the metric system, up, listen to me, up to five miles. Did you hear what I said? Lions often roar at night. And when they do, I do not roar often, but when I do, my roar can be heard up to five miles, up to eight kilometers. Why? Because the lion is the king of the jungle and he is savage. And when he stands in his element, he roars to announce his presence. He said, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? When you roar, when you get your roar back, Simba, you're announcing that scar forced me into exile. My daddy's dead. The pride lands have been stolen away from me, but I'm still here. I'm still standing. When you get your roar back, this is what you're declaring. You counted me out, but I'm still here. When you get your roar back, what you're saying is I was down for the count, or at least you thought I was down for the count, but I'm still here. You thought it was over, but I'm still here. You thought I was dead, but I was just dormant. <laughs> you thought I was dead. Come on, somebody. I stole that from Elder Roland Sigler. You thought I was dead, but I was just dormant because I'm still standing and I'm still here. And the Lord sent me this morning to announce to you, Converge Church, it's time to get your roar back because you're playing small, absolutely, categorically, unequivocally, does not serve the world. Converge, I'm out of breath. Your pastor needs to get on that treadmill. Come on, that Peloton. Come on. Listen, but I'm going to close here. There's so much more I could say, but I'm going to close right here because all I do is to get to be the delivery boy. I don't give you more than what you need for this moment. In fact, that's, that's a principle they taught us in Bible college. Don't give them everything you know. Give them what you have. And so this morning, I've given you what I have. And what I have is what the Lord has entrusted to me for this moment. For that person that's watching right now, I don't know why. I didn't get to my notes, y'all. I didn't get to my notes. And I believe it's because of someone or someones, plural, that are watching, who simply need to get their roar back. You've been running. I hear the Lord say it crystal clear. You've been running, and the Lord says you've been running long enough. It's time to get your roar back, to announce your presence, and to declare to everyone who counted you out, I'm still here, I'm still standing, and there's time out. It's time out for playing small because my playing small hasn't served the world, and it hasn't served my God. So right now, I'm going to pray for you as we close out today's message. And I pray that God will give you a supernatural infusion of his courage. Ah, that that same grace, that same boldness, that same audacity that rested upon Jesus, come on, according to Luke chapter four and verse 18, the spirit of 
the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That same grace and that same power and that same spirit rest upon you now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, would you restore the roar of that one who has lost their roar? Father, would you bring home that one who has been in exile? Thinking, thinking that running away, <laughs> in their running away, they can outpace your grace and your love. But all the time, all the while, your goodness and your mercy followed after them, kept them and sustained them for this moment. Lord, we call them back home. And Lord, I pray that you would restore their roar. And their roar, Father, will reverberate in the wild. Everywhere they go, they will announce their presence, not in their own strength, not in their own ability, but the strength and grace that comes only from you. Father, we trust you to do that now. In Jesus' name. Finally, maybe you stumble upon this broadcast. Maybe you're visiting a friend or a family member or a loved one. And maybe you're watching this and you're starting to connect the dots, but you've never invited Jesus. You've never invited this savage Jesus, this lion of the tribe of Judah to be your Lord and personal savior. Maybe you're that one who's been running from this savage Jesus because you thought that he wanted to judge and condemn you when all he's been wanting to do, his pursuit of you, was not to hurt you or harm you, his pursuit in the wild. Every step you've taken was because he wanted to apprehend you with his love. Maybe all of this was about this moment. I want to pray for you if that's you. All you need to do is pray the simple prayer after me. Would you do that now? Pray with me. Dear God, I come to you now just as I am without pretense, without falsehood, with all of my guilt, with all of my shame, with all of my failure. I acknowledge right now that you love me in spite of my scars, in spite of my running, and in spite of my exile. Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my friend. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. And on the third day, you rose from the dead. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And I thank you that now I am born again a child of God, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you prayed the first prayer with me and you just need to get your roar back, we want to help jumpstart your walk with Jesus. We have some resources we'd love to send to you. In fact, you can email us, and this is a different email, but email us at e-church, e-church at weareconverge.com. That information will be on the bottom of the screen. We have some resources, a Bible we want to send to you. Uh, we want to send a Fresh Start. That is a mini book that will help you understand what it means to walk in relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And listen, if you reach out to us and say, I need those resources, I have an additional surprise I'm going to send to you. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if you do reach out to us, in addition to the Bible and the Fresh Start with God mini book, I have another gift that our eChurch team will send out to you to help you become the church in the wild that Jesus imagined, that Jesus envisioned. Converge Nation, we love you. This is what we ask you to do. Share this message with anyone and everyone you feel will be encouraged by what we shared. And then we also ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and also click the notification bell so that whenever we upload new content, uh, you can receive that notification. Help us grow virtually 
as we prepare in June to begin meeting again in person. We love you. God bless you. Get your roar back and announce your presence to the world because you're still here. You're still standing. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you. Thank you.